Excellent. Thanks so much. You all doing good? Excellent. Hopefully you can understand the accent okay. G'day, mate. Good on you. That's good. Crikey. Anyway, uh, it's uh, so good to be here again. I think it's been a, a couple years. I can't remember since, since I've been here, but it's so good to be here. And uh, I'm excited that I've been asked to speak on freedom, which is something that I am incredibly passionate about, something that uh, my wife and I really have given the rest of our lives to help people find freedom. And, and really that comes, you know, in the Bible, there's a thing called the law of firsts. And, and when you study the Bible, if you look at when something happened the first time, you'll find incredible clues as to how that thing or person operates. And, and really, for me, the reason why God's called us to freedom is because of the life that I grew up living. My parents both did drugs. Uh, I ended up on drugs when I was about 12 or 13 uh, smoking marijuana, uh, binge drinking. Uh, at 15, I was injecting uh, amphetamine and, and uh, taking acid, ecstasy. Uh, at 16 years old, I took an acid trip at a house where they were involved in satanic worship. And, and I wasn't a believer. I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. But while at this particular house on this acid trip at 16, I actually overdosed. I was unconscious for three hours. And I was tormented by demons for three hours. It was the most, I'm 43 years old today without a doubt. That is the most traumatic experience of the 43 years that I've had on this planet. Uh, it got worse because I came out of it when I woke up. But I had what psychologists would have diagnosed as drug-induced psychosis. Where for three or four years, the television would speak to me. The radio would speak to me. This voice would speak to me. Uh, convincing me that who I had met was actually not the devil, but that I had met God and he took pleasure in my torment. And for three or four years, I believed that at 19, I came extremely close to ending my life uh, because I just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, but I, I remember so many nights of just crying myself to sleep. But a lady who was a Christian in my family, my auntie, the only Christian, the only believer of my mom and dad, both had seven siblings. She was the only one. And she had prayed for me for 17 years that I would one day encounter the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you right now, don't give up on the people that you're praying for. You might be the only person that's standing before heaven and bringing their name. I promise you, I totally believe that if it wasn't for an auntie's prayer, I most likely would have been another statistic of a 16-year-old boy that overdosed on an acid trip and slipped into an attorney without God. But there was one lady that kept bringing my name before heaven. You know, at 23 years old, I had a radical encounter with Jesus and and through this particular auntie, through a phone call, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus. But I, uh, uh, I started going to a church, and it was a couple weeks into, into church, I heard the pastor, uh, sorry, sorry, we're in America now, the, the pastor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually, I, I've been living here, I live in San Diego. We moved here three years ago, and, and I'm, I'm actually now just, I'm a little bilingual now. So just, <laughs> just, 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 just un poquito. Uh, so, and, and so... <laughs> So the pastor, uh, he, he, I heard him say that there was nothing God couldn't do. And, and as a two-week-old Christian, I went home and I got on my hands and knees and I, I was born again. 
I, I was uh, in love with Jesus, but still struggled with this addiction. See, because who knows, you can be born again and love Jesus, but still have stuff going on in your life. That's called being a human being. And it's why we need a savior every single day. And so I remember crying out and he spoke to me in a moment as a two-week-old Christian and he said, you'll never ever need drugs again. You'll never need cigarettes again. And literally in that moment, it was broken off my life. And I've, I, I, it's, it's literally now, uh, it's been about eight weeks since I've used drugs. And uh, I said, no, I'm just messing with you. No, uh, to pray for me because normally eight weeks is about my, you know, where I, no, I'm just messing with you. It, it's been, you know what, I actually celebrated last week, I can't remember what day it was, I think it was Thursday, uh, 20 years of being a Christian. And uh, God's been so good. But, but what I want to, I want to share from the Word today, I'm going to share some stories because actually January of this year, January 26, uh, I actually had another freedom experience. I had a testimony that literally changed my life where God unlocked some stuff in me that isn't a testimony of 20 years ago, but it's a testimony of maybe seven or eight months ago. And, and, and I want to share that. I even love that, that your pastor got up here and said, we all need more freedom because freedom is a journey. Freedom, there, there are different levels of freedom. And, and so God did something in me that literally changed everything. And I'm going to share that freedom story at the very end of this message. And then we're going to pray for people and we're going to see God move and freedom unlocked in people's lives. And, and so January 26, it happened for me privately. But it was the first weekend of March where something changed uh, in a public manner. And it was the first time in March I was preaching in a church. I, I travel full-time. I have done for eight years all over the world, uh, preaching the gospel and sharing my story. And <clears throat> It was March this year, the first weekend of March. I was in a great church in Chicago. And, and it was a, a, a cool church. And, and I was there, and I often see God move in a powerful way. I have for about eight years. And, and, and God would move. But, but this was the first time I shared the story of January 26, which I'll share with you at the end. The first time I shared it publicly. And, and so God fully moved. And, but it was actually after the service that something shifted, something changed, something I'd never seen before. And, and, and my story is a story of being free of some oppression, some noise. And, and, and so one by one, organically, a person would come to me and say, Lucas, I related when you talked about the noise, when you talked about oppression, I related and I had a moment with this person for maybe two, three minutes and we, did, we, we prayed and, and then the person right in front of me says, man, something just shifted, something changed. And, and then the next person came and the same thing happened and the next and the next and the next and about 10 people in a row radically got free right before my eyes and eventually it goes to this crescendo where this young lady and I've got to warn you this is a bit of a graphic story but it's just what happened and and I get to this young lady and I hold her hand and and I said well what 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 do you need and and she says that you know uh, when I was uh between the age of, I think, 12 and 15, I was made to be a sex slave amongst the family male members within my family. She said, at 18 years old, I married a man who I thought was going to be my Prince Charming, who would rescue me from the nightmare that was my life. But it didn't take long to find out that he too was also a pedophile. She said, he ra raped me for most of the days that I was married to him, that I married for five years. And this young lady is crying and in tears as I'm holding 
her hand and I said, well, we're going to pray. And I start to pray. And as soon as I mention the name of Jesus, she starts to manifest in a very demonic way. She starts to manifest uncontrollably and she drops to the floor. And it was sort of after the service, so most of the, the church had already moved off into the foyer. And, and she's like, you know, going crazy and speaking to, to, to me in a man's voice, saying, I will not come out. And, and, and I tell you, it was, you know, there was a few interns that were packing down. Their jaws were on the ground. The pastor's jaws were on the ground. To be honest, I was freaking out a bit too. And because and, and I'm like, man, I hope this thing works. And, and You know? And so, and so we're praying over this young lady for about 10 minutes and the pastor's wife was there who's a worship leader and she was singing worship over her and, and I'm speaking in the name of Jesus to this thing and, and she's manifesting and, and then literally after 10 minutes, it's probably one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in my life. I watched her face change before me. And she started to weep, and all she could say was, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And you know, I, I saw it on, on testimony. Uh, weeks later, the girl did a testimony of what took place. And she literally said that as she went to her workplace the next day, everybody, her colleagues kept coming to her saying, what happened to you on the weekend? Why do you look so different? What have you done? There's something radically different about you. And she got radically free from some stuff that was keeping her bound. And I want to say without exaggerating, for eight years I've been traveling the world, been in some of the greatest churches on the planet, but literally since March, I have seen more freedom miracles, more freedom testimonies from March till now than I did in seven years of full-time travel. And one of the, the, the big things that we launched, I think the guys have got a slide, is it's funny how God puts everything together at the same time. He spoke to us about launching our ministry and calling it, uh, have we got that slide, uh, A Freedom Experience. And so really we've given the rest of our life uh, to help as many people on the planet as possible have a freedom experience. And, and, and so some of the other testimonies we've seen through live preaching and what we're going to do today, but then through our, this is a 21-day journey, a 21-day online God encounter, mind renewal journey. And, and I can't even, I've lost count now of the people that had major anxiety, but no longer have any anxiety. People that were bound in depression, but now no longer have depression. People that were bound by alcoholism, but now are 100% free. People bound in sexual addiction, but 100% free. And really the, the, the whole thing of this, and I'm going to be at the, the desk at the end so you could talk to me more, but really the whole thing of it, it it's, it's 30 minutes every day for 21 days. There's a, there's a heap of different videos. But the two things that it has is one is God encounter. We, we have had, uh, it builds to a, a God encounter that you have at home. We had one lady that literally wept for two hours in her bedroom in the last uh, video as God just dealt with grief from her childhood and stuff that had happened and radically got free. And so there's a God encounter along the whole way. But see, 
I don't want to just be one touch changes everything, but I believe one touch can change everything. But the thing that we add to it is every day you do the work for, for 21 days and you actually change a particular destructive mindset, the same mindset every day, which neurologists prove that when you do it every day for 21 days, you can permanently change your mind and your thinking. Because you can have a God encounter and get free, but if you don't change the way you think, then I'll see you at the same altar call in six months because how you think drives you to where you end up in life. And so uh, if you uh, sign up today, uh, you can talk to me about it. It's 20% off. I'll give you a code. If not, you can do it at home. It's afreedomexperience.com. Uh, check that out. But love to talk to you at the back. Uh, I want to look at uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And so it says here, uh, this is a cool scripture. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, See, anytime the Bible in the New Testament speaks about the, the teachers of the law or the Pharisees, it, it's kind of speaking about a religious spirit. You know, and a religious spirit is actually one of the, uh, it would be the spirit that annoys me the most of any demonic spirit. And, and I promise you, the religious spirit is prevalent in the church worldwide. And all of us have a little bit of Pharisee within us. But see, the reason why it annoys me so much is because, see, at least the spirit of lust is not pretending to be something that it's not. It shows you what it is and whether we choose to go that way or not, you know, we know what we're going into. But a religious spirit, it acts as if it is a godly, wonderful thing, but is anything but godly because instead of lifting up, it's always about pulling down. Instead of taking forward, it's always about condemning and keeping people down. And it says that the, 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 the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So they made her stand before the group. See, a religious spirit is always about shaming and exposing someone's sin, where Jesus is always about covering someone's sin. See, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't deal with our sin, but he does it in a beautiful manner, just like a father does. See, I deal with my children's sin, but I do it in private. I do it in love. And in public, I cover them so that nobody else can see their sin because I'm a loving father. But a religious spirit wants to expose and to shame. And, and so they made us stand before the group. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. I want you to catch this. She was caught in the act. In other words, she was caught having sex with someone that wasn't her husband. So you've got to understand, she wasn't caught in 2019 in Poway. She was caught more than 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, where she knew that the punishment for her crime is that men would take large stones and throw them at her, at her head, while she was still naked until she was dead. She was caught in the act of adultery. She knew that when they probably drugged her by her hair to where all the men were, she knew, she probably knew other women that had been killed in the exact same manner. She knew that her death was certain. Then they say in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Again, the reason why I so dislike a religious spirit is because a religious spirit will use the scripture and then twist it. In other words, Jesus, the Bible says, you can make the Bible say anything you want. 
to hit people over the head and push them down. And there's churches, not this one, but churches all over the world, that that's what they're doing is hitting everyone down, where Jesus is like, no, the Word of God is about lifting you up. It's about making you better. It's about making you make a difference. It's about covering your sin. It's about telling you that, yeah, you've messed up, but you're still the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so they... We're using this question as a trap in order to have basis, listen, for accusing him. See, they were, but, but they're supposed to be men of God, but what were they doing? They were accusing. The Bible says that the devil is what? The accuser of the brethren. So the language that the devil speaks is always accusation, and they're pretending to be men of God, but they're speaking the devil's language. But Jesus bent down and he started right on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down, he wrote on the ground, at this, I love this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. See, I love this because the older that you've, the, the longer that you've been a Christian, the more that you realize you actually really need Jesus. You know, when I was a brand new Christian, I got so full of the Holy Ghost and I thought, seriously, this thing is just going to be easy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm so full of God. And, and now what I find is the longer I've been alive, the more I realize I actually need Jesus every single day because I have a sinful nature and I need him so much. I need his word and his presence. And so the older left first until only Jesus and the woman were standing here. Here's the crux of what I want to preach on. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. You see, no, just go back, sorry, go back to that, start on that scripture. Now go and leave your life of sin. See, religion, religion says stop sinning or you'll be condemned. Jesus says, you're not condemned. Now go and stop sinning. Major difference. See, because, see, religion deals, religion wants to deal with the surface level issue. He's got a problem with porn. She's getting too angry. She's gossiping. Religion wants to deal, he's drinking too much. Religion wants to deal with the surface level thing. But Jesus says, no, let's deal with what's underneath that's fueling the behavior and the behavior will actually take care of itself. See, when Jesus says to this woman, I I need you to understand you're not condemned. See, what he's saying is, you know, all the other men that left because they had sin in their life, I'm the only one without sin. So if anyone had a right to condemn you, I'm the only one that could have condemned you. But you know what? I choose to not condemn you. See, what Jesus knew about this young lady, and we know, we can see from the text that, 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 that she was used, she was set up. She was set up to accuse Jesus. In other words, you know, notice the fact that there was no man, no man drugged before the, the, the thing. Where was he? He was obviously in on the set up. And why did they choose her? Uh, they obviously, I don't think it's too much of a, uh, uh, you know, a jump to think, well, she obviously had a reputation. They, they chose her specifically because she knew that she would fall into the trap to be at the right place at the, the right time for, for their, 
needs. And, and so she most probably had a reputation. She was known as a promiscuous woman. And now, let me just take liberty. I know the word doesn't say this, okay? So I'm not saying that this is 100% true. But often when a woman is living this kind of life and being very promiscuous, you can also often trace things back. Maybe, just maybe, she didn't have a dad around. Maybe she didn't have a dad to tell her she was beautiful and worthy and valuable and she, a dad that treated her mom in such a beautiful way that she knew how a woman should be treated. Or, or maybe she went to school and there was a young, and again, I, the, the word doesn't say this, but maybe she, she went to school and, and there was a young guy that, 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 that got her to give her virginity away and he promised that he'd love her, but the moment she did it, he told the whole school that she was a... And so... And so... See, see, when Jesus says to this woman, I need you to understand you're not condemned. What he's speaking to her is he knows that the reason she's been living this promiscuous life is probably her whole life she's felt like she was disqualified. She always has felt like I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I could never be anything. I could never be whole. The only thing I could do is give my body to another man. And Jesus needs to communicate, honey, I need you to know you're not condemned. You're still valuable. You're going to be used by God. See, when a house is condemned, if a condemned sign is put on it, it means that what the house was originally built for, it can no longer be used for that purpose. So Jesus was letting her know, you might have messed up a bit, but I'm here to tell you that you're still going to be used for the purpose that you were put on the planet. I've still got a plan for you. I need you to know you're not condemned. See, because Jesus is dealing with what's underneath, because then he understands the behavior will take care of itself. If he can get her to see herself in the identity that she has in Christ, then she'll automatically stop living this particular. But religion just wants to deal with the behavior. Jesus wants to deal with what's underneath. See, even in psychology, when they teach on the cycle of addiction, what happens is somebody does something that they know they shouldn't. And then once they, what happens when they do that particular thing is a chemical called dopamine is released. It's like cocaine. It's like a high that we have on the inside. And so this chemical is released and it's this, this euphoric high. But then what happens once the dopamine subsides is now what comes on you is guilt, shame and condemnation. And you only go so long with guilt, shame and condemnation. And your brain actually plays a trick on itself. It sends a message and says, hey, we're sick of feeling like this. I know how we can stop feeling like this. If we go back to that thing again, then more dopamine will be released and we'll feel good again. And then the person goes back because they, their brain says we need more dopamine. And then again, the dopamine subsides and now there's even more guilt. There's more shame and there's more condemnation. So now I need more dopamine. Right there is the cycle of addiction. See, what Jesus wants to deal with is what's fueling the behavior. And I want to give you three quick things, and then we're going to pray. <clears throat> three things that fuel behavior in our lives that we don't like. Number one is hurts of the past. See, who knows that this woman, to get her miracle, she had to make a decision to not live in the past. See, when Jesus asked her this question, he said, hey, who condemns you? You know what she could have said? She could have said, well, don't get me started on my dad who left when I was two. Or my history teacher who told me I was a failure. Or my first husband, second or third husband. 
And again, I don't know 100% that happened, but what I can say is, don't get me started, Jesus, on that. And we don't know how many there are, but let's say there was 50 men standing here. Don't get me started on the 50 or so men that five minutes ago were all here shouting that I was worthless and I was condemned and I should be killed. She could have gone into her past. You want to know who condemns me, Jesus? But see, if she had went back to her past, she would have missed out on the miracle that was available for the present. See, so often our past stops us. See, this happens in marriage. Let's just say my wife and I, we've been married 18 years next month. And, uh, and let's just say that, that Jackie and I are having a heated conversation. Just in case you don't know, that's Christian for argument, okay? So there you go. And so, so we're having a, a heated conversation, and she'll say a certain something that triggers me on the inside. And I'll feel like I just, I'll feel anger. And, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll really start to, you know, I'll really start to feel, you know, real anger on the inside. And it'll get worse and worse. And, and, and most times now, I'm smart enough, most times, to walk away. Because I know in that moment, anything I say is definitely not good for my marriage. And 100% not good for my sex life, okay? I'm married, just in case you're wondering. And so most times, and, and when I walk away, when I'm smart enough, I'll walk away and I'll, 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 my anger will subside in my heart and, I'll, and I'll, I'll assess the situation. I'll think, well, hang on a sec. What she said to me, it was annoying. But it was like a two out of ten. And my anger, though, on the inside was like an eight. How does two doesn't equal eight? Unless, of course, there's still that two that I'm hanging on to from two months ago and the three that happened about 10 days ago and the two that happened last week and now the thing that she said, all of a sudden two plus three plus two plus two actually does equal eight. See, if you don't deal with your past, your past will turn up in your presence, in your present. I remember I was praying for this lady who's a, a friend of mine who's a pastor and and, and, and she, uh, her and her husband, I'm good friends with them, and, and I spoke on fear at their church, a lot about fear, and she had had major anxiety for, for decades. And, and it manifested most in the sense that she couldn't hop on an aeroplane because she's petrified that something would happen. And now her 18-year-old daughter had been watching mum for many years, and now her daughter was taking on all the same attributes of mum in the realm of fear and anxiety. And, and so I said to her, we were sitting down, I think it was at church, and, and I knew we had staff meeting, I was going to speak at the next day, and she starts sharing that, oh, she's petrified to hop on planes. I said, well, we're going to deal with that. I said, tomorrow we're going to do a session. I'm going to meet you and your husband, and we're going to pray. The night before we're about to have our session, she has a dream of something that had happened 35 years ago that she had told her husband 20 years ago, but they never talked about it again. And it was the simple fact well, it's a, it's a horrific fact, but when she was 12 years old, her uncle took her to a farm and one time he sexually abused her. She never told anyone, never told her mom, never told her dad, told her husband 20 years ago. And, and in that moment, we were able to minister to the past hurt. I was able to get her to forgive her uncle. Now, if you get upset when I say that, it's because you don't actually understand the whole thing of forgiveness. See, forgiveness is not a gift to the person that you're forgiving. Forgiveness is a gift to yourself. 
See, forgiveness simply means that I'm not letting the evil act that someone else did wreck the rest of my life. I'm going to forgive you. Now, now God will deal with you. And if the law needs to deal with you, so be it. But I'm going to be the one that gets free of your evil that you tried to put on me. And so forgiveness is a gift to yourself. She forgave. There was a lot of tears. And she, she, she really got free that particular day. The second thing is, is destructive mindsets. Destructive mindsets. And again, when Jesus speaks to this lady, he understands, when he says to her, you're not condemned, he understands you've got a mindset. You've got a belief system that tells you you're not worthy. A belief system that says you're not good enough. A belief system that says that you've been rejected. A belief belief system that says that you're condemned and you can never be used by God. And so what Jesus is attempting to do is shift and change this woman's mindset so that she can go and live the life that she's been called to live. And and I've already touched on this. The number one reason why we do our 21-day program and we have the mindset component, and it's probably been the component that's brought the most freedom to people, is because of that exact reason. Where you are today in life, good or bad, is a result of how you think. What you believe in life, with money, with relationships, with every area of life today, pretty much it is a thing of what you think or what you believe. You know, when I prayed for this, back to this lady, this senior pastor, I remember as she's, she's crying and, and really getting healed from her past hurts and forgiving her uncle, and, and now the tears had kind of stopped, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, get her to pray this prayer. And I said to her, I said, I want you to remember her, her, the main way her fear manifested was not hopping on an airplane. And I said, I want you to pray this prayer. Repeat after me. I said, say, Father. She says, Father. I said, say, thank you that I can trust you to protect me. She said, thank you that I... Thank you that I... She couldn't say the words. See, no wonder she won't hop on an airplane, a tin can that flies through the sky. When you have a belief system that says you can't trust God to protect you, which she developed when she was 12 years old and someone stole her innocence, she took on a belief system that said you can never trust God to protect you. She actually did our 21-day program and worked on that fear mentality over 21 days, and today she's 100% free, hopping on airplanes, showing her daughter how to live without fear. Last point is this, and maybe if someone could come and play behind me, and then I'm going to open the altar and we're going to pray for people. Last one is this, it's, I don't want to share that story. The, the last one is this, and we don't talk about this a lot in church anymore, and, and what I mean by that worldwide, the church, it's a stereotype, so it's not 100% in every place. But, but the last thing that, that fuels behaviors that we don't like is oppression, demonic oppression. And, and, and really, you know, if, and I see a few people with a little bit of gray hair. And, and you know, because in the 80s, we went a bit crazy on this. Whereas like there was a demon under every bush. Do you know what I mean? Like someone sneezed in church. He's got a demon. Take him to the back room. But, but you know, in the church today, we've actually gone the complete opposite. We've actually gone that demons don't even exist anymore. We've made up names for every single different thing, medical terms, that have nothing to do with the demonic. Or what we've done is we've demonized demons. And what I mean by that, we're like, yeah, 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 that, that guy that, that, that's down in San Diego in the city that, that's calling profanities. Like, I mean, he's got a demon. But that's about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no... And, and the biggest 
trick that the enemy's done in the world today is convince everyone that he doesn't exist. And, and think about, this is why he does it, okay? Let, let, let me show you how. See, the Bible says this. The Bible says, don't get angry and let the sun go down or otherwise you give the devil a foothold. Now, I've been married 18 years. I'd be lying to you from this stage if I said there was never a night that I went to bed angry. And guess what? The sun went down. And the Bible says if I've done that, I've actually given the devil a foothold. That's a form of oppression. See, we, we get this crazy thing that to be oppressed means like I'm demon controlled by a demon. No, no, it just means that the devil has found a legal right to speak. But he doesn't speak as him. This is where he's tricky. He speaks as if he's me. So now I went to bed angry at my wife because of something. And I disobeyed the scripture. I didn't deal with it before the sun went down. And now I've given him a foothold. So the next morning she gets up. And, 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 and you know, she, she, she walks past. And, and, and there's, there's a voice, but it speaks to me not as the devil, but as me. So the voice says, what did she really mean when she said that? Did, did she have tone when she was saying that? Come on, married people, you know about tone. Or, or, or another scripture, and I don't have time to go there, but where, where it says that the king forgives the man, and it's a parable of an unpayable debt. And then the man with the unpayable debt that was forgiven, he finds another man with a payable debt, and he has him thrown in jail. And the king finds out, and he brings him back, and he says, you wicked servant. He says, you'll now be thrown and given to the what? To the tormentors. What are the tormentors? That's demonic oppression. See, when you are in unforgiveness towards someone else, then you have given the enemy a legal right to speak. See, again, we don't know how many men were here condemning this woman, but again, just let's say there was 50 or 20. It doesn't matter what it is. But, but those 20 men or so that were screaming, you're no good. You're a waste. You're condemned. You deserve death. The Bible says, the law says. See, those 20 to 50 men physically were just a picture of what had been going on in her life spiritually. She'd been walking around with that noise probably her whole life. Back to something that happened when she was a little girl that gave a legal right. Some hurt came, some trauma came, or she did the wrong thing. And now all of a sudden the enemy has had a legal right and been speaking to her for her whole life. See, I remember, I'll finish with this story and then we're going to pray. It was January 26 this year. One of the things I've always battled with for such a long time is in the area of condemnation. And even bits of self-worth. And, and I, I've worked on it so much. And it's always come back to the fact that my dad rejected me when I was a little boy. And, and then different mistakes that I made as a Christian. And there'd just be this constant noise. And, and, and when it was at its worst, if I'd be honest with you, there were times when the noise was loud. And almost debilitating. But then even in really good seasons, it was like the noise was way in the background. Like the music turned down low. And so the church I go to once a year, they do a, a Sunday like this called Freedom Sunday and they talk about demonic oppression and I wasn't there because I was preaching away, but I listened to the podcast 
And I've been traveling the world for eight years, but I thought when I heard the podcast, I thought, well, maybe I need someone to pray for me. And so I rang one of the guys who's a lay pastor at the church I attend, and, and I just said, hey, hey, Lance, would you meet me on a Saturday? Would you pray for me? And, and so I met with Lance, and, and I got real. I took the mask off. So see, let me tell you this. Your face can't get healed unless you take the mask off. You keep coming to church every week with your Christian mask on, but you know on the inside, you're tormented. And I took the mask off and we talked about some real stuff. And, 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 then, and then he prays for me. And when I pray for people, I get a lot of impressions. I see things that I minister. But when he prayed for me, I saw a vision. It was like I saw a movie inside my head. And I saw this dark tunnel, this dark kind of underground subway. And there was tunnels. And I saw this tunnel, but then I saw these barn doors shaped like a tunnel. And I literally heard the barn doors and they went, and they closed while he prayed for me. And then as soon as they closed, just for five seconds, I felt joy, like I got injected with joy. Go, whoosh. I was like, wow, something happened. January 26th this year, not 20 years ago. I'm a pastor traveling the world. The next morning I get up and I'm getting ready to preach. My family had already gone off to church. And I'm getting ready to preach. And, and I was home by myself. I live just down the road. And, and, and I walk into my bathroom getting ready to, you know, get ready for the day. And I walk into the bathroom. I'll never forget it. January 27th. I walk into the bathroom and I'm stopped in my tracks because I'm overwhelmed by how quiet my house is because no one's home but then I realize it's not the house that's quiet but it's the house the noise that I thought was just my upbringing that I tried to renew my mind a hundred maybe a thousand times but that day the noise stopped and I've been sharing this message for the last six months and every time I share it, I see anywhere between 50% and 90% of people come forward, including pastors. Because I tell you, when you're a pastor, it's so easy. The devil just wants to get you in a place where he has legal right to speak. So I want to ask every person to stand to their feet.